We're going to read verses 38 to the end of the chapter, Mark chapter 12. Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces, and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor and feasts, who devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us this morning. Well, in order to understand the, the part of chapter 12 before us this morning, we need to look at chapter 12 and actually back into chapter 11 uh, and see this section as a whole. The parts are related to the whole. And uh, Mark is making a point for us uh, in uh, all the different episodes in Jesus' life that he's uh, telling us here in these, uh, in these couple of verses, in these several verses. If you back up and look at uh, verse 27 of chapter 11, you'll see there that Mark records for us a dispute between Jesus and the scribes and the elders and the chief priests. They're questioning Jesus' authorities. He's uh, gone into the temple, he's driven out the money changers, and they're saying, uh, what right, what authority do you have to do this sort of thing? Uh, maybe he's talking specifically about him driving the money changers out of the temple, but this could uh, as well uh, be them talking about everything that he's doing uh, in his ministry. What right, Jesus, what authority uh, do you do these things? So they're questioning his authority there. Well, chapter 12 begins with a parable uh, Jesus tells that condemns these scribes, elders, and priests because they will not submit to Jesus' authority. Rather, they want the position of authority for themselves. And Jesus tells this parable to make that point. And the scribes and the elders and the priests, they understand what he's talking about and it makes them even angrier. Then, in verse 13 of chapter 12, you see again the Pharisees disputing with Jesus, trying to trip him up by asking him a question about taxes. And Jesus says those famous words in verse 17, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Again, we have this theme here of rendering to uh, an authority the submission that is due to them. Then the Sadducees join the fray. And they have an argument with Jesus about their particular beliefs. Uh, they do not believe in resurrection from the dead. And Jesus strongly condemns them. And the reason they have come to this conclusion is that they have set themselves up as their own authority. And they uh, are picking and choosing which parts of the scriptures that they want to believe. They only believe the first five books uh, of the, of the uh, what, we, what we normally call the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of Moses, and they don't accept anything else. 
Well, Jesus says they don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. And his conclusion is that they are very mistaken. Again, they have uh, put their authority in themselves. And they've come to the wrong conclusion as a result of doing that. Then one of the scribes asks Jesus another question about which commandment is the greatest. And Jesus actually commends this scribe. And he says in verse 34 that the scribe was not far from the kingdom of God. And we note the reason. He commends this scribe. Uh, He is the scribe affirms that to love God with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then again, in verse 35, Jesus asserts his authority with a discussion of some words from Psalm 110. So I hope you see uh, and are seeing a theme being developed here in Mark. It seems to me that Mark is making a point about ultimate authority and what should be rendered to that ultimate authority. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate authority. That's the whole point of what Mark's saying. And what should be rendered to him is the love and devotion of our hearts, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think that's the sum total of what Mark is saying here. And that brings us to this passage before us today. Uh, And I think it is not a mistake that we have here, uh, back-to-back, Jesus' words condemning the scribes for their uh, behavior, and then Jesus commending this poor widow. We're meant to compare and contrast these two, so let's do that. First we see the scribes. Jesus makes some comments about them. Jesus tells us to beware of these people. What are they like? He, he gives us six or seven characteristics of these scribes. They would be religious professionals. They would be experts in the scriptures. They would be people who would, uh, would teach uh, the, the, the normal uh, everyday people, the lay people, about what the scripture said and, and how those scriptures should be interpreted and how they should be lived out in life. Well, he says these scribes like to walk around in long robes. Long robes would be a symbol of their office, a symbol of their position, and a symbol of their authority. Well, they like to walk around in their long robes and be noticed by everybody. It also tells us there that they like the greeting, like greetings in the marketplaces. In other words, when they're walking around in the marketplace where all the people are, they like to be greeted. Uh, maybe even uh, given titles, you know, greetings, rabbi. They like to uh, know that people look at them with respect and they crave the recognition and status that comes from being a scribe. And then it goes on to tell us that they, they like to have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. You see, they're, they're focused on power. They're protecting their turf. They want to be in the place uh, where they are recognized as being authority figures. They want to protect their own authority and power. And if you read the book of John, uh, especially the accounts where Jesus uh, uh, angers these people towards the end of his life, they seek to plot to put him to death. 
And John 11:48 says, if we let him go on like this, speaking of Jesus, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So you see what they're worried about is their own position, their own authority. And if Jesus uh, keeps on going and everybody follows him, we'll have nobody to follow us, nobody to uh, give us uh, our kudos, nobody to, to uh, submit to our authority, nobody for us to lord it over. And that's one reason why they put Jesus to death. Then he says they like to devour widows' houses. And the word here, devour, uh, is rob. They, they, they like to take over widows' houses by dishonest means. Now, widows in those days, and we'll see this in a moment again, there was no social security, uh, there was no unemployment check that came to you for, uh, for being a widow. Uh, you had to have lots of children take care of you. That was your retirement plan. Uh, that is why it's so important in that culture to have children. You see it uh, with uh, some of the people who were barren, like Sarah in the Old Testament, uh, Hannah in the Old Testament. You were nobody in the community if you uh, were a woman and did not have children. And that's because there was not a, any government programs. There wasn't... Uh, anybody to take care of you and protect you. So if you were a widow and you, your husband died and you did not have any children, you had no one to take care of you because the government didn't do it in those days. Not like today. Not that the government does a good job of it today even. But here we have poor widows and these so-called religious leaders uh, are going in and taking what little they had. They had lost what it means to love their neighbor. They're not concerned about the poor and the needy. They devour them. And all because they're self-centered and in it for themselves. And then he says that for a pretense, they make long prayers. And the word there, pretense, means to pretend, to be engaged in a particular activity. They look like they're praying. They make these long prayers and long presentation and they think everybody is uh, blown away by how they do it. And maybe people are blown away by how well they pray in public. But Jesus says it's just a pretense. It's not real prayer. They're just doing it for show. And the, then Jesus ends by see, saying they will receive the greater condemnation. Well, I want you to notice one thing, and that's because Jesus only tells us one thing, to do in reference to these types of individuals. It says there that we are to beware of them. Beware, watch out for them, be careful of them. Well, I think he's saying that, first of all, uh, for us to beware not to become a victim of those types of individuals. You see it all the time. These television preachers who are telling people to you know, send in their money uh, and uh, you know, plant a seed of faith and, and the Lord will bless you. And they say, well, I know it's God's will because it's worked for me. Well, they're at the top of the pyramid scheme. They're the person receiving all the money, so yeah, it works for them. In the meanwhile, they're devouring widows' houses. So Jesus is saying, beware of people like that. Religious leaders, especially, 
who are in it for themselves and they're promoting themselves and they just want to take advantage of people to push their own agenda and their own authority. But I think also he's not only telling us to beware of them so that we won't be victimized, but he's also saying beware that we not become like one of these people. Now, of course, I take this to heart because I am a religious professional and you all uh, contribute and, and pay for me to do what I do. So I take these words to heart. But also, any one of us can behave like these scribes were behaving. Uh, we can be pushing our own agenda and our own authority. Because there's a difference between embracing Jesus' power and embracing Jesus' authority. These people were religious. You know, they appealed to God. They knew that, that God was a powerful God and the, the God of Israel. That's what they would have said in those days. But they were not submitting to his authority. There's a difference there. I can recognize that Jesus is powerful enough to meet my needs. I believe that. And I believe he's wise enough to do so. But that doesn't mean that I'm submitting to his authority in my life. That I'm saying to him, Lord, uh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We can actually come to church and be very religious people all the while doing it to push our own agenda. And that's what these people were doing, these scribes. They were very religious. They were there at the temple. They were doing all these religious duties. But it was all to push their own agenda. All for themselves. It was all about them. It wasn't about serving the Lord and serving others. We can fall into that same trap. You know, Lord, I want your blessings. I want you to do this for me. Or, Lord, I go to church and, and uh, you know, I, I want to be a good person and I want to be perceived in the community as a, as a moral quality individual. And sometimes we can just go through all these religious duties just to be building our own little kingdom and our own position and our own looks to the world without ever actually submitting to his rule in our lives. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Beware. Beware of not submitting to Christ for pushing your own agenda and using God, using the Lord uh, to get what you want. It's easy to do that, and sometimes we can do that. Do you submit to Jesus' authority in your life? Uh, is, he, is he your Lord? When I say Lord, is he the master? Is he the one that says, that you look to, that says, you can do this and you can do that, and, and you say, yes, Lord, I'll do those things? Well, that's the scribes, and we're to beware of being like them and to beware of them. And then we come to this widow. Uh, this widow, she comes and says here that she put in two small copper coins. Well, in, in the original language, it talks about the exact particular type of coin, and I did a little math uh, to figure it out because the coins that she drops in, each one of those was one sixty-fourth of a denarius. And, and a denarius was the pay for a common laborer for a day. So if you went out and worked a minimum wage job, you would got, in those days, you would have gotten paid a denarius. Well, if you look at the, the minimum wage today, 
uh, you'll end up making about $60 a day if you work an eight-hour day. So the equivalent of what she actually dropped in the plate was maybe $1 or $2. So a very small amount. But Jesus commends her because she does it in a different manner. Her religious duty is done in a different manner than the scribes. It says here that the other people who are giving big sums of money, uh, they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. She'd given in $2, and remember, they didn't have uh, the support system around her. So it would have been a big deal for her to lay those couple of dollars in the offering box there at the temple on that day. But when you look at it and, and what it actually says there, it's in all she had to live on, that last phrase, uh, is literally, she put, it says there that she put in everything all her life. It literally says all her life. Uh, and it does mean all that she had to live on. That's a, an idiomatic way of saying it. But it literally says all her life. She went to the temple, she reached in her pocket, and she put in all her life, everything that she had to live on. And, and in doing so, what she's saying is, you know, there's no other support but you, God. Uh, she's giving everything to him. Because what is, when she goes, what is she going to live on? How is she, who's going to take care of her? She has nothing, only the Lord. She is giving her entire life, essentially, to the Lord. What a contrast with the scribes who were just using God to further their own agenda, their own authority, their own position. But this widow is giving literally her life to God, and she is putting herself in God's hands completely. And that's what Jesus commands. He calls the disciples over. He told us to beware of the scribes, but he says uh, in verse 43, and he called his disciples to him, and then he said, look at this widow. He's been teaching them all along. They've been, they've been slow to learn. They've been like the scribes themselves. Remember James and John come to Jesus, and Lord, you know, when you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left. What are they doing? They're promoting their own agenda. They've been following Jesus because they think, hey, he's the Messiah. He's the one who's going to come into power, and we're going to be along for the ride. But he's trying to teach them and say, look at this widow. She has given her life. The disciples are going to get it. It's not going to be just right now, and it's not going to be in a couple of days. But after Jesus rises from the dead, they're going to be transformed these fishermen, tax collector, motley crew of guys are going to turn the world upside down because they're going to understand and embrace what the widow did. They're going to give their lives, even unto death, for the cause of Christ and, and for the love of him and the love of others as well. That's what we're called to be. And, and the Lord is giving us the scripture today to highlight that for us, to show us that. As we come to the Lord's table today, we might ask ourselves now, how in the world can I give myself completely?
completely like this widow. I mean, I mean, she went home, you would expect, not knowing where her meal, next meal was going to come from. She had to completely committed. How, how can you do that? Is that even a wise thing to do? Well, you can only do that as you recognize that what Jesus is asking you to do in giving your life to him, he's already done that for you. We love because he first loved us. We sacrifice for others because he first sacrificed for others. We, we sacrifice ourselves because he first sacrificed himself for us. And until you see that, grasp that and embrace it for yourself, you'll never live a life of self-sacrifice for others or for the Lord. The table points us to this. We do this in remembrance of him. In remembrance of what? That he had everything. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. He emptied himself of all that glory and he became a servant and died on the cross for us. The table points us to that and reminds us of that. And I want you to be reminded of it today and, and look at it and, and embrace it and let it speak to your heart. Lord, you've done this wonderful thing for me. How can I serve you? The King of Kings, he is the King of Kings, has done this for you. you know, you're no longer the, the authority in your life when you embrace that. He is. He's the, and he's a good king. Uh, he's a loving king, and he has your best interest at heart. So it's not a painful thing to submit to him, to give your life to him. It's a wonderful thing. It's what you were created for. You were created for him, to, to give him glory and honor. And you're only going to be happy when you're doing that. That's the wonderful thing. He wants to bless you. He does want to, to take care of you. He, he wants... Uh, to lead your life uh, in a good way, in the best way possible. So we can entrust ourselves to one uh, who is not asking us to do something greater than what he's already done for us. So as we come to the table, uh, the Lord knew that we needed more than just the word uh, to make this thing get impressed upon our hearts. He's given us the bread and the wine to remind us of how he was broken for us and how he uh, poured out his blood so that we could be cleansed and saved from our sins and renewed. Uh, the Bible tells us that he, he instituted uh, this supper for this very reason. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the, the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim the Lord's death. We remember what he's done for us. I want to invite anybody who has embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior to come to this table, to be refreshed as you uh, remember what Christ has done for you and how he's given himself for you to nourish your soul spiritually. But if you're not a believer today, uh, it tells us 
continue reading what Paul wrote. He says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Uh, you need to refrain from partaking of uh, this supper because it is the supper of those who have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ and who have turned from their sins and who continue to repent of their sins. So uh, don't partake, but use this time to pray to him, to ask him to, to help you to see what he's done for you, to show you what he's done for you, to help you to embrace that or to show you the way. Uh, be in prayer during this time. Use that to meditate on that. We want to prepare our hearts to come to the table. Uh, we're going to sing a, a hymn uh, to prepare ourselves. But as we do, let me close us in prayer, and then we'll stand together and sing.